All right, everybody. Welcome to the uh, to the monthly hot seat with myself. Faye can't make it today because she's uh, she's with a friend that she hasn't seen in ten years. Who's over from New Zealand, so uh, they're having a nice uh, nice nice chin wag and a beer. Uh, and speaking of beer, I'm actually having one myself. Why not? It's uh, it is a Thursday after all. Thursday's the new Friday. Um, and I'm sat in my camper van because I thought the acoustics would be awesome here because it's all soft furnishings in here. So. Um, yeah, I'm in my camper van and I've got a really good Wi-Fi signal because the Wi-Fi is just inside the house there. Anyway, um, hope you're all doing well. Thank you for joining. And I will kick things off with um I do, do you want Nick? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I wanted to talk about DNFs today. Now, Perfect timing. Yes, and and I wanted to talk about it because it is it's something that a lot of people are afraid to do. Um, now, in the half marathon, marathon world, it's a much uh, much rarer occurrence. But in the ultra marathon world, it is it is part and parcel of the game. Um, it's very rare that you meet an ultra ultra runner who has at least done you know a few ultra marathons that hasn't DNF'd. Um, so I wanted to talk about them because yeah, they they can be something that people are afraid of. They don't, you know, nobody wants to DNF, but they are part and parcel of the learning process. And it isn't something that, whilst at the time it can almost feel like the arse of your life has fallen out with disappointment because of you know because of it. Um, and I, I I DNF'd twice last year myself. Um, one I DNF'd at fourteen miles. Um, you know, at the time, absolutely distraught by the whole thing. I was pretty annoyed. It was just a poor shoe choice. Uh, the arches of the shoes I was running in were digging into me, and I just couldn't couldn't run on them anymore. So uh, nothing nothing major. Uh, and another one, um, I was in the lead pack, and we were pushing the pace a little bit, and I slipped on a route and uh, took a bit of a tumble, and um, my right pinky finger. Uh, on my right hand was as I started running off, I, it was like to the side sticking out. I was like, Oh fuck, that's not supposed to happen. Um, popped it back in. Um, and that wasn't the problem. What I realized a couple of, a uh, couple of miles in that actually I'd taken a pretty hard hit on my hip and, um, and knee. And I, I just, I just couldn't keep going. So, um, so, you know, we, we do DNF and then do you know what? Um, a month later, I won an ultra marathon. So, you know, it isn't the be-all and end-all of um, an ultra, ultra runner's career. Um, and it is part of the learning process. One of the biggest things with running an ultra marathon is actually um, it's much less, you know, like the marathon than half marathons, where it's a lot about pace and uh, running efficiently and form and all that kind of stuff. That sort of stuff is important in ultra marathons, but actually success of an ultramarathon is about reducing the amount of things that can go wrong because there is so many opportunities for things to go wrong. Now, some of those things like you experienced on the weekend, Nick, you can't control, like, you know, you can't, you can't control picking an ultramarathon that would normally be dry. In fact, you were, you know, we were expecting it to be pretty hot weather with you. Um, and -hmm. it turned out to be a six hour deluge of torrential, torrential rain you know it was totally unexpected really wasn't it 
Yeah, for, for yeah it wasn't on. supposed to rain at all, and and it came out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> did I send you pictures of what the trail ended up being like from the rain? You did, yeah. It was okay. Like that, that that is the kind those pictures you sent me were the kind of um, the kind of trails we we experience here in the autumn, mm-hmm. winter, and and an an early spring in the UK where it's super muddy and boggy. You just yeah, wouldn't want rough. to be running for a hundred miles in those. So yeah, it's um so yeah, running in um running in ultramarathon um is about reducing the amount of things that can go wrong. Um and without those DNFs for our future races, sometimes we don't get to learn what things can go wrong. And some of my best races, which have been recently, have come out of um, have, have come out of those DNF opportunities. I call them. You know, they are, you know, they are something that we want to do, but we learn so much from them. And I've I've learned so much from those couple of DNFs I've had. You know, particularly with shoe choice. You know, that is just something you don't want to get wrong in in an ultra marathon. And and I did it. So now I'm absolutely I'm so anal about. About my shoe choice going into an ultramarathon is that you know if if something anything small doesn't feel right about a shoe, I just will not wear it for an ultramarathon now. Um, so yeah, really, my sort of message here is not to be not to be too disappointed about a DNF in, a, in an ultramarathon. Um, certainly, don't don't um, come away from it thinking, oh well, I'm not going to do any ultramarathons ever again, ever again because I DNF'd it. You know, everybody thinks I'm a joke because really people don't. And I say it's, um, it is a great opportunity to actually learn from it for your future races. So yeah, the message is don't, um, don't let DNFs get you down too much. Now I know you, Nick, you weren't disappointed at all, really, were you? No, it's, uh, so this is my first DNF, but, uh, as far as the ultra marathon world, I've only done a 50, 50 miler. And then this was a hundred miler. I've done a couple Ironmans last year that I didn't DNF. And I always thought me being like the stubborn macho guy, I guess I am. I was, <laughs> would be very, like very, very, very angry. And I wasn't, I mean, it was the exact opposite. I was content. I was happy with how far I made it. Um, I made it to mile 89 yeah, and, exactly. You didn't. It's not exactly like you got to mile ten and were like, "Oh, can't be bothered with yeah. this." You, you really put um, everything into it, didn't you? Yeah, I, I I was very content in that. I gave it. I truly gave it everything I had, mentally, physically. I know I could not have went one more step, and I just. I mean, that was my brink, and that's what I wanted. Whether it was. And I, I hit my finish line, whether that was 100 miles or whatever. But for me, it was 89 miles that day. And I was very happy with my performance and how far I made it. Yeah. Do you know what? It, it, this is the thing since we've sort of, you know, for the people listening on the podcast later. Um, no, you know, you didn't make it to the 100 miles. But the DNF rate in that, in, in your race was way over 50%. And of the DNFs, you were way up there. I mean. You know, some people, there, there were a lot of people that were dropping out at, you know, 10, 20, 30 mm-hmm. miles in those first six hours, just like, nah, I don't fancy yeah. this. Yeah, we, uh, I added it up after the race was over and all the results were in. It was a 54% DNF 
Um, and it wasn't a small pack. There was, I think it was 284 people that did the hundred miler. Yep. It was 54% yeah. of those. It was a big field finish. Yeah. So it's not like it was, you know, a 20 or 30 person race and it was 50% yeah. of that. It was, I mean, people were dropping like flies. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Just again, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't paint a picture enough with my words to say how bad those photographs were that you sent me <laughs> yeah. while you were running. Cause it, it was, it was just a hundred miles worth of bog mm-hmm. on a, on a course that you purposely chose because it was supposed to be fast and, <laughs> yeah. and, and runnable. <laughs> it, yeah. it just, it just couldn't have turned out any, any more opposite to what you were, uh, what you were looking for. So, um, but no, we, we, um, you know, we were talking the other day that uh, you know you come out of this race, and obviously we'll give you a few days to get back on your feet and um, feel a little bit better, and we'll we'll start looking at challenges, um, challenges again. I'm sure you've already started looking, haven't you? Knowing you, yeah, I was <laughs> doing that on the drive home from my DNF. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. Cool. So so that's it. DNFs, they're not they're not that bad. They really aren't. Um, it might feel like your world has ended there and then at the time, but they're really not that bad. Cool. So, um, going right to the other end of the distance and racing spectrum, um, Andy, who is on the call right now, but he is actually listening while he runs. So, um, he sent me a text ahead of time. Um, and he asked me because he's got a 10k race on the weekend and, um, it's his first um race of that kind since he did race to the stones which is a, a very popular ultra marathon here in the uk it's 100k it's a ballot system um yeah really big race and he only did that a few weeks ago and so um turning his attention to marathons in the in the spring where he wants to see how fast he can go over the marathon distance on the road um one of the first things that we've started doing is really start working on his baseline pace and uh, the 10k race he's got this weekend is all about seeing how um, how quick he is at the moment, so we can set his pace zones and his um, get really sort of dialed in t- onto his training. So um, he asks, "How would you pace the 10k?" Um, and a little bit like a 5k. So uh, you know, you all know that I like giving you 5k's to test how um, how how fast you're running at the moment. Um, the way I personally run a 10k um, and a 5k is to go out in the first mile or so hard. You don't want to be going out. Um, you don't want to be going out too easy when you're trying to race a 10k. Um, but don't go out mental fast. You know, don't don't try and break your one mile PB in the first mile. You need to build into that first mile. Get yourself up to a place by the end of the first first mile where. You are working hard, but you're what I call comfortably uncomfortable. You're right at the top end of your threshold. So um, settle into that um, into that sort of comfortably uncomfortable zone. Get yourself to halfway. Assess how you're feeling. Are you still feeling comfortably uncomfortable? If it's too uncomfortable, then you've pushed it a little bit too hard. But 10Ks are hard distances. Um, and particularly Andy, being the fact that you've just done an ultra marathon, not many ultra runners like running hard. Um, so, 
Um, you will find it uncomfortable. It will be territory that is going to be like, oh, God, this is not something I've experienced a lot of. Um, but my advice is when you get to that halfway point, you assess where you are. It will start to burn. But my advice for the last half of the race is to hang on for dear life. <laughs> and that, uh, uh, that's how I run a 10K because they, you know, they are hard. It is so much intensity in such a short space of time. Um, you know, hang on for that last three mile, um, particularly the last mile. But the key thing is that if you have, if you have built nicely into that first mile, you've got to that, um, that first mile conservatively, what you should have is something left in the tank for a little kick at the end. And that's what you see the pros do is, you know, you see Mo Farah, he was amazing at it. You know, one of the best middle distance runners of all time. Um, his 10k kick at the end was was so good, and it was because of that um, that saving just a little bit at the start, building nicely into that first mile, that he had a little bit left in the tank just to push it on um, uh, and finish strong. So that is how I would pace a 10k. Start off nice and conservatively, build into the first mile, get yourself to a place where you're comfortably uncomfortable. And then at around halfway, quick assessment. How am I feeling? Where am I at? How's my form? You know, if you form, feel like your form's dipping, pick yourself back up, but stay nice and relaxed. Uh, a relaxed runner is a faster runner and uh, and push for that last half of the race. It will hurt. It will suck. Just hang on for dear life. All right. Hopefully that, uh, that helps. Um, what I found, Nick, with the, I don't, I've never raced 10K. Um, until recently it was that hardness of the 5k but you've got time to settle into it so you've almost got that yeah. a bit of if it's it's nicer than a 10k in that respect at uh, 5k in that respect um because you can sort of breathe into it almost but yeah hard yeah no yeah no 100 um so like with a 5k my advice is to where i say in the 10k to build into that first mile with a 5k build into the first half a mile because you don't want to spend too long building into a 5k because otherwise you've done half the race before you've got up to um you've got up to a you know a pretty hard pace so that first half a mile is you know let all the fast lot go bombing off um because you'll probably overtake them you know halfway um because they've all gone off too fast but yeah, no, you're right. You do get a little bit of a uh, little bit more opportunity to build into it. Um, actually, uh, just looking back on your question here, Andy, um, would you start off easy and build into it, or would you break it down into sections? Well, yeah, um, pretty much what I just said. Start off easy, build into that first mile, get yourself up to halfway. That's your second section, um, and then your uh, the last half of the race is uh, is, is hanging on. Um, you also ask about fueling strategies for the four shorter but faster stuff. Now, you definitely don't need to be um, carb loading for a 10K, um, you know, unless you're, you know, unless you are a 10K runner that's sort of getting into the realms of running an hour and a half at, at full whack. Um, but no, for, for, for most people, you shouldn't need to do any sort of carb loading for a 10K. Um, what I would say, though, is the day before the race is to make sure that the carbs that you are eating are 
things like white rice, white bread, um, you know, that, that simple broken down carbohydrate, you know, feel free to add in chocolate, sweets, that kind of stuff, stuff, stuff that's going to saturate your, your glycogen store. Um, and then on the day of the race, you know, your normal, normal breakfast, whatever you have, again, you know, try and keep that to something a little bit more simple, like Frosties or, um, what, what have you got in the, uh, in the US that's, uh, sugary cereal? It's all sugary cereal, right? Nick? <laughs> You're on mute again, dude. You're on mute. <laughs> Fruit Loops, right? Sorry is it Fruit Loops? Uh, yeah, all, all, our food supply, I think, is all processed garbage compared <laughs> to you guys. Anything you grab would be sugary junk. Yeah, I don't know. I, I grabbed a box of um, a frosted, so, a Frosties today and Cocoa Pops because mm-hmm. my... So my nutritionist, who I'm going to get on the podcast because he's he's awesome, um, Steve Winrow. Uh, he's also working with Steve Shaw, who I coach as well, and Steve is um, is feeling pretty awesome. Um, he's a big fan of Frosties, so if Frosties is something that you can handle on the morning of a race, it's pure sugar, <laughs> pure yeah. sugar. Um, yeah, they are frosted iced flakes. Um, so yeah, um, and then. Right before the race, what I tend to have is either something fairly sugary snack or bananas, pretty good if you want something um, in the in the realms of being healthy. Um, but what, what we want to be thinking about within that immediacy of the race is performance. You know, of course, we all need to be healthy, eating whole grains and plenty of fresh fruit and vegetables in general. But around the, the the time of a race, we really need to turn our attention towards performance. And you particularly don't want to be running something like a hard 10K, half marathon, even marathon, even ultra marathon um, with a bunch of fiber in your stomach. It's it's just going to be really uncomfortable. And, you know, again, here we go. Um, very typical of the maximum mileage monthly hot seat. I'm going to talk about poop. Because that that is the kind of thing that can happen. You can get really uncomfortable in your stomach if you've got too much fiber in there. So um, keep it something really simple, something like a 10K. I'll have a gel literally 20 minutes before the race. Get that gel in me. Make sure my um, glycogen stores are absolutely as high as they can possibly be. Um, it's also just a little bit of a psychological boost as well for me. And, and, uh, and yeah, I'll go in and run it hard and empty the tank on the race. Um, that is a fairly similar scenario to how I fuel my training sessions as well, my hard training sessions. So my typical Tuesday uh, and, and Thursday or Friday hard sessions where I'm doing interval work, speed work, that kind of stuff. Um, in, in, the, in the couple of meals before that session, I'll I'll switch my attention from eating, you know, super healthy, you know, where I'm having all my whole grains and fresh fruit and vegetables and that kind of thing, to um, focusing much more on performance. So I'll I, instead of having whole grain rice, I'll have white rice, for example. Instead of having whole grain wraps, I'll have white wraps. Um, I'll have a you know a sugary, um, a sugary drink or um, a sugary snack of some kind before that session. So. As I go into that session, my glycogen stores are up and I can focus 
um, massively on on performance. And then um, most of the time, I'll then refuel after the session with um, with a high carb meal of some kind. So hopefully that um, that helps as well, Andy. Any questions from anybody on the call before we wrap up? And this is going to be a fairly short one today because um, uh, the last two years of the monthly hot seat, I actually cancelled the August ones because it's the school holidays here in the UK and everybody's away. So any questions at all, Rach? Nope, nothing from me. Thank you very much. Cool. All right. Well, I will um, I will wrap that up today. Um, a short episode, but um, hopefully there's some nuggets in there for everybody. And thank you very much for joining. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mileage Running Podcast. You can find more out about us at MaximumMileageCoaching.com. If you think you need help with your running, you think that either myself or Faye could be the coach for you, then drop us an inquiry no uh, obligation whatsoever and we'll have a chat with you about your running and there's plenty of resources on the website as well and don't forget you can join us on the maximum mileage running podcast facebook group until next time see ya bye bye